Hello, hello. Welcome back. It's the We Don't Want to Grow Up podcast. We're Stacy and Pete, and it's here. This is one of my favorites. My favorite time of year. It's Halloween. It's Halloween. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. Hope you're having lots of fun. Hope you had a lot of fun over the weekend, and maybe some of you are recovering <laughs> from the weekend. <laughs> maybe you're just taking it easy today. Maybe you're taking some kiddos trick-or-treating. Or passing out candy or watching scary movies. Now, don't pass out all that candy. You got to have some extra. That's right. That's our adult version of trick-or-treating now. It's the leftover candy. Except we didn't get candy this year. Oh, I will. (laughs) Oh, I will. (laughs) We don't get trick-or-treaters, though, so. Yeah, we're on a road where kids just should not be walking. True. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, we would if we could, if we lived in that kind of neighborhood. Yeah. But we just don't. We don't. So we won't. Like Dr. Seuss. That's right. (laughs) But we should get a little candy for ourselves. A little. Tis the season. About 10 pounds of candy. (laughs) All Smarties. Now's the time to get it. Get it tomorrow when it's all on sale. Ooh, yeah. (laughs) Now meaning Wednesday, the day after Halloween. Oh, you've jumped into the future. I have. Well, we're recording this on a Saturday, but I like to sometimes give the, uh, what's the word? Give the illusion that it's actually Halloween and we're doing it live. Well, now you're ruining it for the people. They thought we were here live. <laughs> Let's take some calls. <laughs> it would be fun. Maybe. Oh, it would be fun. All right. I just had to share this funny thing that just happened as we were getting ready to come upstairs to record. <laughs> we have, you know, a smart house, basically. And so Pete was telling our friend, I won't say the name so it doesn't alert any of yours with the same name. Oh, man. That was your opportunity <laughs> to say buy a new car. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Buying a Chrysler Sebring convertible. (laughs) See, we bleeped it just to save you. (laughs) Anyway, so the command for the blanket fort where we record is a turn on fun tree. And it's because the lights that we use in here initially were purchased to make this cool Christmas tree years ago, a couple years ago. Yeah, they are smart individually programmable LEDs. I think it's uh, Twinkly Lights, it's called, or Twinkle, I can't remember. But in the app, you can like make a pattern. You take a photo of the layout of the lights and then you can draw a pattern on it if you want, right? So it's Yeah, so our first year we had it on the wall, like just kind of in a section, not really in our living room. It's like next to our guest bathroom. And it was in the shape of a Christmas tree and we had it all, it was like stapled. Was it stapled to the wall? (laughs) stapled it into the wall because I knew I was going to paint that wall. So I was like, I'm going to have to paint this thing anyways. And I was not happy with myself as I was covering over all of those individual holes. That felt like a college kid move. Yeah. Well, I knew I was going to have to paint it. (laughs) And there was, you know, there were some holes in there, but I didn't realize how many patch jobs I was going to have to do (laughs) based on that choice. But the wall looks fantastic now. It does look fantastic. The funny thing is that we said after that, we would put it on like a board. Yes. That makes way more sense. Every year, just bring the board out. But then we started the podcast. Yeah. Or I guess maybe... I don't know. I don't remember if that was the year. I thought that was 2020. And then we ended up because we didn't originally record up here. So then we ended up we wanted twinkle lights up here. We did. So we used those lights. So they're really fun, different patterns. All it's like the same strand, but they're all different colors, but not individually. It's like, well, it like flows to different colors all the time. And we've gone through like different iterations because we used to have it just be like shades of 
white light because mm-hmm. we didn't want the colors. And then we've switched to, to this flow, which I think is our favorite. Yeah, because it's not like blinking. Yes, it's, it's just, not blinking. It's like a wave of color. I like it. Maybe I'll do like a little video so you can see what I mean. There you go. Because it's not like a normal color change. Like, I don't know how to explain it. Anyway, that's not the point. That is why we call it a fun tree, because it was a tree that was fun. Correct. Initially. So every time we come up here, one of us says, A, turn on fun tree. And this time when he said it, A said, playing country mix on Peter's Spotify. (laughs) (laughs) And the funny thing about that is that... We've said before, we do not like country music. We do not listen to country music. Occasionally, we'll use the DJ feature on Spotify, and every time they play a country song, Pete gets really angry. Right. Like, what? what is it basing this AI intelligence on? Like, just look at my playlist. Other than what you've played for me, I've never played any country. So I just was cracking up, and I think I was laughing so loud that then she couldn't hear Pete's commands to tell her to stop. It was immediately yelling at her. (laughs) (laughs) And then all it made me think was, maybe it wasn't you. Maybe it was your alter ego, Country Pete. It's Country Pete. Oh, my gosh, I'm back. I'm back. It's Halloween time, and we're ready for some music, aren't we? Are you playing a trick on us, Country Pete? I'm always playing tricks. You know me. I'm a trickster. (laughs) You gosh darn are. (laughs) (laughs) Springing country peed on me. See, that's what I think happens every time they play a country song. It's just because country Pete has been messing with your playlist. So I've shared my account with country Pete is what you're saying. It's the only explanation. I think you're right. Because I'm not listening to country music on your Spotify. I have my own Spotify. Yeah, that's right. Where I don't listen to country music either. (laughs) Country Pete, you're hilarious. Move it along. We'll, we'll see you at Thanksgiving. Woo! I'll bring that turkey I shot. <laughs> yeah, this time you're smoking it outside. <laughs> see ya. See ya. Country Pete. Not you all. Just Country Pete. Okay, bye. Hey, <laughs> We have a lot of stuff planned. But first thing I want to talk about is this, because I posed this question on our social media a week or so ago, and the results were kind of fascinating. The Blair Witch Project, okay? Yes. Came out in 1999. 99. I need to know. Did you see it in the theater, first of all? I did. Okay, so did I. A seedy little theater. Oh, seedy. I thought you were saying a CD. No, 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 no. This was a, a theater that closed not long after. It was in the parking lot of where I worked. It was that theater. Oh. And so it had the right atmosphere for this type of movie, I'll tell you. So did you think that it was real when it came out? I think so. For maybe a little bit, I might have bought into the whole marketing campaign that was going on. I mean, the marketing for this movie was revolutionary. Oh, it was. Absolutely. It's like the origin of viral marketing. Yes. Or at least as I know it. I definitely thought it was real initially, which is why I was so freaked out by it. Because I think like if you're just looking at it like it's a movie, it has scary moments, but it is not the scariest movie I've ever seen. I mean, I will tell you that it's stuck with me. The ending of the movie stuck with us and a lot of people. Because I lived by myself at this time in my apartment and I was a little freaked out when I went home. It's amazing that you moved from an apartment to a cabin in the woods after having seen this movie. (laughs) (laughs) That's the real miracle. (laughs) 
But to add on to that, there's nothing wildly unbelievable in the movie, right? So like if you went into it thinking that it was real, nothing really happened that you saw anyways, you know, that was like fake looking or wildly unbelievable. Right. You're absolutely right. Like, I mean, this was definitely like the beginning of found footage. Yes. Movies, at least as far as I know of. And I've gone on to really like found footage movies. Like some of my favorites are The Houses October Built and Hell House LLC. Yeah, we love it. Which there's a new one of Hell House LLC. I'm excited to see it. Me too. But those, you know, I never for a second thought they're real. Correct. It's different. It's a whole different ballgame when you think you're watching footage found of these real people and that this really happened to them and that they're missing because they made missing posters. They did. Now, I will say that I didn't believe that it was real for very long. I just had heard about it and then, you know, started reading about it a little bit on the Internet. I mean, I think it depends, like, if you saw it immediately, like, the night it came out, which is when I saw it. Yeah, I did not. I don't think. I don't remember when I saw it in its life cycle. There was a lot of hoopla around it. I mean, you had people, like, again, the majority of people, like, I did a poll, people voted. I never saw, like, the final result of that, but it was definitely way heavy into the yes, I believed that it was real. You don't know the percentages or rough percentages? No, because I missed the ending of it. Oh, my goodness. You had one job. I mean, I think it was like 80-20 the last time I saw it. That's what I was curious about. Like, what was the rough percentage? But you had people in the comments that were like emphatic, no. And if you did, you're an idiot. You're an idiot. Yes, I saw all those. It's like, thank you. You're my favorite commenter. But then so many were like... Of course, we all believed it was real. If, and so many people, too, were like, if people are saying they didn't think it was real, they're lying. Yes. <laughs> but then you had a lot of people that would qualify it by saying, I believed it was real, but I was 11. <laughs> you know, like, so it's OK because I was gullible. And I'm like, well, I was 19 and I believed it. Yeah. I mean, I was in my early 20s and I believed it for a little bit. Yeah. Well, listen, we had reason to believe it. Here's the thing. It was so like the marketing was so underground in a way that like I had multiple people commenting saying that either they had this or someone that they knew had been given a blank VHS tape with the movie on it and had been told that this was found footage. And I believe that it was being pumped out to college campuses. Oh, really? Just based on the people that were saying similar things. Yeah. It was like at least 10 to 15 people saying that they had this bootleg version of the VHS before it was released in theaters. Right. And that's what they wanted. They wanted the word of mouth to spread across these college campuses. And then others said that they would see it. And this was probably after the movie was released in theaters, but that they would see it on reputable channels like the Discovery Channel. Yeah. So they thought it had to be true. Uh, And there were even interviews, fake interviews with their family members, with these (laughs) people's family members. And it wasn't until, and this was another thing that was a common comment, was that they didn't realize it was fake until the actors walked out onto the stage at the MTV Movie Awards. Yeah. And I remember that. I do as well. That was a big deal. And then some of them said they saw him on The Tonight Show or one of the late night shows. And they're like, well, they're not dead. (laughs) (laughs) And then some of them said they were disappointed. And I'm like, well, you should be happy they're alive. (laughs) Well, they've, yes, they they probably, maybe they were happy they were alive. But it's like the, I mean, absolute magic slash terror of that potentially being real. 
Yeah. It's now gone. Now you've been fooled. Yes. You've now been, you've just been fooled. You've been had. <laughs> but I mean, what a pop culture phenomenon. You know, they say like you had to be there. Yeah, you really did. It was the first time it had ever been done. Right. So we it's not something that you could do again because they've tried and it just doesn't work. We're not getting tricked like that again. Right. I mean, and we had the Internet, but it wasn't the same. They had they had a website, too, by the way, dedicated yes. to it. Yeah. That was super creepy and felt real. But I mean, I'm sure if you really wanted to look hard enough, you could have found out that it was fake. But, yeah, you know, I, I don't think that a lot of us like at that point, I had only been on the Internet for like a year and a half, you know, and I, I didn't really it, use it that way. I don't know. Right. Right. It was in its uh, infancy. We weren't shopping all the time there. We didn't go there for our news. Typically, we were on there to chat. We were still getting the majority. At least I was still getting the majority of my news from MTV and uh, magazines. Yes. You know, I wasn't like, oh, let me look that up. I wanted to say in a book, but in a book. <laughs> <laughs> on the Internet. <laughs> anyway, so there was this interesting article on sci-fi.com by Will Lech, I believe is how you pronounce his name. And it says the Blair Witch Project was put together to feel, quote unquote, real. Six months before Sundance, a producer hired a PR firm to construct a website with fake news stories on it about the disappearance of the, quote unquote, filmmakers from the film. And when Blair Witch played at film festivals before Sundance, volunteers gave out missing flyers with pictures of the stars slash main characters, Heather, Josh and Michael. This sure felt like a lot of work for a small horror movie. Maybe there was something more here. Maybe this was real. Then it says, by the summer, it wasn't just Sundance film dorks who were hearing about the Blair Witch Project. When it played at the Angelica Film Center in New York that July, audiences were already lining out the door. It came to St. Louis, where I lived, and every single screening was packed in large part because it felt like you were a part of something like you were helping solve some sort of mystery. The film became about more than just being a film. It became about a whole different way of marketing, watching, and talking about movies. It really did feel like you were personally part of something, which I think is spot on. I totally agree. And I don't think he's wrong, right? Because the movie was made for like 50 grand and it definitely made a lot more than that in the end. Yeah, I think it said it made 4,000 times its budget. Yes. So it did feel like there was something to it. It's like, okay, why would you release a movie of handheld camera footage, which you didn't do? So that gave it the feeling of authenticity as well. Yeah, because it wasn't easy to watch. No. Like, it felt a little headachey. I probably couldn't even watch it now if I rewatched it. Yeah. But that is kind of what made it feel more real because it's like, why would they release a movie with a shaky handheld? Yeah. You know? And on came the shaky handheld camera genre for mm. the next 10 years, which I've, I don't know that we've fully gotten rid of it, but it's one of my least favorite. Yeah. Other than Cloverfield, which was annoying, but a fun movie. It was. I forgot about that one. Well, speaking of fun movies, I just had to share about this one movie that I watched this past week. Not the best movie in the world, but cute. But we've been talking about movies that were set in the 80s mm -hmm. and, you know, just how we would rate them on authenticity. This one is called My Best Friend's Exorcism. It came out last year, I believe. It's based on a book. And pretty much right away, I was sucked in because it really did look and feel like the 80s. It did. For me, yes. Um, it did not feel over the top with hair or fashion. 
or the setting. Like it just felt like if I walked onto that set, I would feel like I was in the middle of 1987. Very authentic looking. The the clothes were not cute. (laughs) They weren't. And I loved that they showed that side of it because a lot of it reminded me of clothes that I saw my sister and her friends wearing sometimes. Not that they, I mean, they wore cute clothes sometimes too, but it's like just baggier, more ill-fitting, like sweaters and polos and I don't know, like mismatching in a way that wasn't thoughtful. It really felt like you just threw on whatever. Not attractive now. Yeah. It was cool and attractive back then though. It was still very authentic for the outfits that they put on. Like, No, some of those were not attractive still. What? No, I'm saying like there were cute clothes in the 80s and there were not cute clothes in the 80s. I'm saying if somebody's putting together an outfit that's kind of mismatched, that was its own thing. That was a thoughtful mismatch. Some of it was not thoughtful. Hmm. Listen, all I'm saying is that there's one character who feels very real. Okay. But, you know, just doesn't have the best fashion sense. Okay. But it feels real. It's not like nerdy. It's just normal. Okay. I don't know how to explain it. I don't know. It's like a real character that didn't know how to put an outfit together back in the day. Yes. Like me. (laughs) I mean, I'm not saying I was a fashionista either. I just think I had better options maybe in the 90s. I didn't know what to do. I would go into a store and tell my mom I want that mannequin. So it's like, you know, the store decided what my style was. I could never put my own outfit together. Yeah, but uh, this character in the movie definitely did not get her outfit off of a mannequin. Oh, okay. So they didn't even have enough fashion sense to know that they didn't have any fashion sense or they just didn't they care. They weren't trying. Yes. You know, she just was wearing what she had. Okay. And not a couldn't afford it way. Like it looked like she had a, you know, nice home and everything. She like, just didn't care. Yeah. It was just different times. I don't know how to explain it without like dissing her. I'm just saying based on like the yearbooks that I used to pour over of my sisters from like 1983 to 89 looked like a lot of just regular people that were walking through the hallways. Okay. But not in a over the top, we're going to make this look like this is 1987. Gotcha. Although I would say a lot of your sister's friends look like they were styling. They were. I'm not saying that it's all of them, but maybe just the people that went to their school. Okay. I thought you were talking about your sister's friends I and mean, I'm not allowing you to besmirch them like that Well, from an 80s style standpoint because they were style icons. <laughs> not all of them. Some of them. How dare you? <laughs> How dare you talk about Amy like that? Oh, Amy was so cool. Not talking about Amy at all. Okay. <laughs> anyway, this kind of gave me Pin 15 vibes, which of course was set like in the early 2000s. But with the awkwardness, it just felt really real. Yeah. And one of the girls has severe acne and is super self-conscious about it. And it just, I just feel like they did such a good job with making it look like, and who knows, maybe the actress has acne as well, but I don't feel like people have acne nowadays the way that teenagers had it back then. Yeah, I feel like everybody did. I definitely did. I had forehead acne, something fierce. I mean, I was pretty lucky in that I would just occasionally get like one on my nose or on my chin or something, but like I didn't have it all over. Like a lot of people had a severe problem. Yeah. I'm thankful that I didn't have that, but I just don't, I mean, not that I see teenagers all the time, but we have nieces and nephews that are teenagers and we see them and their friends. And I just don't feel like I see it the way that it was in the eighties. But I think we probably also just have better skincare products now. I would agree. I blame Aquanet. Blame Aquanet. (laughs) Maybe that was it all along. I think for me it was, right? Because I did, you know, my hair like flipped over and had product in it. And yes, so it would be constantly getting that stuff on my forehead. It wasn't just Aquanet, right? I had mousse, gel, hairspray, all of it. Okay. I love me some mousse. (laughs) 
I liked moose as well. Like magic. It looked but, delicious as well. <laughs> he's trying to just talk every time I try to talk. <laughs> this is not the time for somebody who likes to get through these podcasts so fast. <laughs> Anyway, they did a really good job of doing the makeup. You know, back then, people didn't contour and do fancy things with their makeup. It looks like she just has like a, a base layer of foundation, cakey foundation on her face, hoping to cover it up. It also looks like somebody who doesn't really know how to do their makeup. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I just loved that part of it. Very authentic. But they were doing magazine quizzes. And uh, at one point... There are two friends that are just sitting on one of their beds, looking through their yearbooks and like rating people and stuff. And I'm like, we totally used to look at the yearbooks like during the summer. That was like our social media, especially for me, like it with someone that I liked. That's how I like looked at pictures of him because it's not like you had anywhere else to to see him. Exactly. So, you know, I would do that with my friends who went to other schools. We'd go through their yearbook and I would decide if I came to their school who I would date. Yes, that's so fun. <laughs> Isn't that weird? Yeah. Who knows if, I mean, I know that they still do yearbooks, like our niece is on yearbook. And so I know that it still matters, but I just wonder once they have it, do they really look at it or not? I don't know. Not as much as we did, I bet you. And I wonder if they sign them. I need to ask Oh, that. do they leave like little signatures in there? Because like they don't write notes anymore. So I wonder if they sign yearbooks. I hope they do because that stays there, right? It's like that tradition should not go away. It shouldn't. It was fun. It was really fun just trying to make sure you got everybody to sign it too before the year was up. Yeah. Also, they were watching a movie and one of them was talking about how the person at the video store was going to think that she was a Satanist because she kept renting the same movie on repeat, (laughs) which is like a scary movie. Yeah. Which is so relatable of just certain movies that you love that you just rent every weekend (laughs) to the point where people are probably like, why don't you just buy it? Except it was really expensive to buy. Yes. Early on, it was not really a feasible option. No. Now, if you had two VCRs and you were smart, that's the, you know, yeah, that's I didn't, one thing you could do. I didn't learn how to do that until the 90s, though. Yeah, I don't think I did either. Well, VCRs were so expensive. I don't think we ever had two until the 90s. Yeah, probably same. Now, HBO was an option as well. We would tape a lot of stuff off of HBO. Yes. Or Showtime. You know, what's funny is I have a lot of VHS tapes from my parents and I've gone through just to see if I could find like commercials and things like that. And several of them are labeled certain movies, except they miss like the first couple minutes of the movie. So it's like still going through the credits at the beginning, but it's, you know. Not the very beginning. Yeah, it's funny. The other thing that I had to tell you about, you didn't watch this movie with me, but it was hilarious because they had these workout guys who were, it was the Have Faith and Fitness show. So they were like Christian bodybuilders or they were doing like workout class and they would come around to the schools. And didn't we, like there was a real thing like that. Yeah, it was called the power team. I don't know if they went to schools. They came to churches. Did they come to schools? They would break ice blocks, you know, like karate chop them or smash them with their head. They would- lift heavy weights and sing songs. I saw them somewhere, but I can't. I feel like maybe it was like a friend's church. Ah, okay. They came to our church quite a few times. Yeah. Well, I didn't have like a big church. We did. That we would. I know. Have I told the story? I think I have of the power team guy that yelled at me mid song. What? No, yes. I don't think you've told the story. So they had the big stage that had two sets of stairs on it. They had the steep set of stairs that led up to the stage. And then there was a landing and then there was like two steps at the bottom. So one of the dudes was doing his his solo and and called all the kids up to sit on the landing. And so he's up there singing, da, da, da. And I'm like messing with my friend 
causing a ruckus. How old were you? Uh, I mean, I was probably 10. <laughs> and so, you know, he belts out a big note and he has a second for a break. Looks down. He's like, hey, kid, knock it off. <laughs> <laughs> off the mic. And this is a big dude, right? They're yeah, all jacked. Yeah. I'm just like, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. So this this one girl's family, they always had like the Jesus workout on the TV. And it was a wooden TV that sat on the floor, which yes. I loved. Definitely brings back so many memories. But the dad would also listen to these inspirational cassette tapes. Ah, uh, yes. He was just like sitting in his living room, reading the newspaper, listening to those tapes. And I don't know for sure that that was something my dad did, but it feels familiar. Does that feel familiar to you? Well, we had a bunch of preacher tapes. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's probably more like it. Volumes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so glad that we were raised the same way <laughs> so that we can tell each other these stories and just laugh about it now. It's... Yes. They would come. Do you remember those cases they came in? Yes. Like those white plastic cases that there was a lot of material, <laughs> oh my but you, you open them up and there's like eight tapes in there. So like four aside. That's looks like it's like vacuum molded or something like that. You put them all in there. You got the whole set. Also, here's another poll result. Yeah. On our Patreon, we did an episode where we talked about the Christian haunted houses of the 90s that we yes. experienced. And I put out a poll on our Instagram to see if other people went to these. I think I, I managed to save these results. So let me look real quick. So I said, this is a niche one. Like, it's definitely its own small little thing. Yeah. <laughs> I used a picture of a devil that was used in one of the evangelical haunted houses. <laughs> That's great. It's funny. But it says, did you go to a quote unquote judgment house in the 90s, which they were called like judgment house or hell house, things like that. 17% said yes. Yes. 42% said no. <laughs> yeah. And 41% said WTF. <laughs> <laughs> Had never even heard of it. Had never even heard of it. What oh, wow. the, they said, what the f***? And it made me feel, I don't know, it made me feel a certain way to know that like- It feels exclusive. We are so in the minority in yeah. that aspect. And like growing up, I just thought it was something everybody knew about. And to know that like the majority of people didn't go and the majority of people think that that's the weirdest thing they've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> and I agree. Now- <laughs> And speaking of Patreon, we have some new members. Yes! We have Sarah, Kristen, and Christina. Welcome to you all. I actually went to school with Christina. Yes, Christina reached out to me a couple months ago, and she's a listener, and she's from the area where you're from. Yeah. And she said that she realized, like, she had put together that you were from the same area, and then one day you finally said the name of your school, and she was like, oh, my God. Like, <laughs> well, now she's a patron, so she's going to be able to fact check all the nonsense I say about myself. Like, yes, I'm sorry, Christina. I was the most popular guy in school, and I did. <laughs> I was the captain of the basketball team. <laughs> she's going to fact check everything. That is so funny. But both of you, I think. Those were jokes, by the way. I was no. not the most popular kid in school, and I was not the captain of anything. But you two were there around the same time. She graduated two years after you. Yeah, she was a couple grades uh, behind me. I think both of you looked back at pictures from your yearbooks and thought the other person looked familiar, but you didn't yeah. like know each other. We weren't running around in the same circles, but I know who she is. Yes. Well, and I think our high school boyfriend was someone that you grew up with. Like he lived in your neighborhood. You used to play soccer with and stuff. Yes. He lived right around the corner from me. Yeah. He would beat me up all the time. <laughs> 
So small world. Yes. I love it. And she's really great. Like we've been chatting back and forth and yeah, I really like her. Yeah. There you go. So one of those beautiful things about this podcast. I would agree. (laughs) All right. Who's coming to the front of the class for show and tell this week? This week we have Allison. Allison is 44. Favorite 80s movie, Girls Just Want to Have Fun, The Breakfast Club, Back to the Future, and Goonies. Classics. All the big hits. Favorite 80s songs, Take My Breath Away. Watch it in slow motion as you turn around say, Take my breath away. Danger Zone, Everywhere, and Like a Prayer. Nice. Favorite 90s movie, Clueless, Now and Then, Forrest Gump. Very good movies. Favorite 90s songs, I Want You Back. Nothing compares to you. Step by step, baby one more time, scrubs, and bugaboo. Favorite 80s or 90s TV shows, Facts of Life, Family Ties, Growing Pains, Mickey Mouse Club, Blossom, Golden Girls, and Friends. At some point, we have to cover Golden Girls. I love Golden Girls. I love Golden Girls, too. No, no, I love Golden Girls. No, first. I do. Toy that you loved most as a child, or Strawberry Shortcake. Yes. Favorite game or book that you loved as a child or teenager? Game, Girl Talk. Books, Babysitter's Club. At some point, we need to play Girl Talk. I'm very interested in this game. Everybody seemed to play and love this game. I did not hear about it back in the day. Love Girl Talk. That's one I don't have, so you have to find it for me. Okay. Okay, favorite place to go in the mall? Sanrio. That's where you get all the good Hello Kitty stuff. Yeah. Karopi, uh, My Melody, Little Twin Stars, Peckle. Like, the list just goes on and on. That's where I went to go get my little twin star stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, liar. (laughs) Sam Goody and Walden Books. Walden Books was like never-ending time waster when your parents were off doing something else. I could just go all the way through Walden Books. Yes. Celebrity Crush, Ricky Schroeder, Joey McIntyre, and J.C. Shazay. And of course, we always ask if there's anything else that you would like to add about nostalgia or this community. And Allison said, I absolutely loved being a kid in the 80s and a teen in the 90s. It was the best time to grow up. I miss the way life didn't feel rushed and things just felt safer and the world felt nicer. I'm still hoping for an NSYNC reunion one of these days. You and Stacy both. Now listen, Joey did not pour any water on it when we saw him in person. Yes. I mean, she sent this show and tell before all of the hoopla happened around NSYNC reuniting for the Trolls movie. But yeah, now I I don't know what's going to happen. It really felt like it was happening. Now I don't know. You know, things are yeah. things are a little. Uh, let's just say the the bubble was burst a little bit. A little bit, a little bit. There's a lot of heat over there, so we'll see what happens. Yes. <laughs> but I'm afraid, Allison, and you, Stacy. Yeah, I'm not trying to be negative, but I'm not holding my breath. <laughs> <laughs> we had some momentum going, and it feels like it fell flat. So yeah, a little bit, a little bit. There's always hope, though, Allison. And at least we got this little treat that we got the last couple months. Maybe it'll be enough to keep us going for the next one year. There you go. (laughs) Well, thank you, Allison. A fantastic show and tell. Thank you very much. Yes, thank you. You may return to your seat with all the gold stars. Gold stars. If you would like to participate in our show and tell, you can email us at we don't want to grow up pod at gmail.com. You can find us on Instagram at we don't want to grow up pod. We're on TikTok 
at We Don't Want to Grow Up. We're on Facebook at We Don't Want to Grow Up Podcast. We also have a super secret special Facebook group called the Cozy Club dash fans of We Don't Want to Grow Up. All you have to do is answer a few fun, nostalgic questions and agree to the group rules and our amazing Ma Joanna will approve you. And if you would like to support the podcast and gain access to over 60 bonus episodes, you can come to patreon.com slash we don't want to grow up. Yes, we now have three tiers. We have our $4 tier, which is what's been there all along. It's access to everything, all of our bonus episodes. Our $3 tier gives you access to all of our game shows, trivia, things like that that we do over there. And our $2 tier gives you access to the short and sweet episodes, the Dear Diaries, the Middle School Notes, the Teen Magazine excerpts. We added some extra tiers because we know we're not putting out as much material on our regular podcast, and it helps us a lot when you come over there. So come check it out. Yeah, we have a good time. And last but certainly not least, we have merch. If you would like to sport a We Don't Want to Grow Up shirt, hat, apron, phone case, stickers, almost anything that you could imagine, come to we-don't-wanna-grow-up.myspreadshop.com. There is one new thing that we would like to tell you about. On our Instagram, we are now offering subscriptions. We're not sure exactly what all is going to be included here, but I know one of the things that I'm really thinking about doing is sharing scans of all of the magazines and catalogs that I have so that people can really look at them. Because a lot of times people are like, you're going too fast when I do my flip throughs or they just can't like pause on something to where it's clear. So I thought it would be nice to share the scans in that way so that people can really feel like they're looking through the magazine and reading it and all of that. Another thing we talked about doing is maybe a deeper look into some of our toys that we've collected, things like that. Live party sessions from the hot tub. I don't know. (laughs) A lot of options there for these subscriptions. We're spitballing here. (laughs) Anyway, so if you're interested in doing that, you can find that option on our Instagram page at We Don't Want to Grow Up Pod. All right, it is that time of year. We get to do, I think, the episode that Pete loves the most, if it wasn't like about Star Wars or something. Yes. This is probably my favorite recurring episode. And it is? Awesomely Bad Horror Movies, Part 3. Yeah. We got some really awesomely bad ones this year. We did. I feel like we made good choices. I would agree. And we weren't sure which ones to cover, but I think in the end, like you're saying, these were the ones. Well, and there are so many to choose from. There are. (laughs) We were talking about this last night. We're like, do they make awesomely bad Christmas movies? Like nostalgic (laughs) ones? You know, like that would be fun to do. But no, I don't think so. I mean, there are Christmas horror movies. There is the Ginger Dead Man. There is the Ginger Dead Man. (gasps) Ooh, and there was that Jack Frost one, not the Michael Keaton one. The other one. So there were some awesomely bad Christmas. There were. Ooh, maybe a Patreon episode. Good shout. Anyway, back to these, though. So we picked three. Our first year, we did five. We had a lot of extra time then, I think. We did. Way more than we have now. (laughs) Last year, we did three. And so we decided to stick with that and do three again this year. So the first one from 1982 is Basket Case. Quick summary on this. A young man carrying a big basket that contains his extremely deformed, formerly conjoined twin brother seeks vengeance on the doctors who separated them against their will. That is very to the point. 
Yes, it is. That is exactly what that movie is about. It's a perfect description. <laughs> Yet, if you didn't know, you would have no idea what you were getting yourself into with that movie. <laughs> no, not at all. Wow. I had no idea what to expect. I always saw the box art yes. growing up. I was terrified of it. That and like the Wicker Man or whatever it was are ones that I always wanted to rent, but I was too scared. I would always see this cover at the video store. I would see, I think it's Ghoulies. Or Critters, maybe. Critters is one. And then I think there's Ghoulies. There's one where he's like coming out of the toilet. Uh, Yeah, I think that is Ghoulies. Yeah. Let me just look real quick. Yep, it is. And I've never seen it either. Can you see? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Sounds like Awesomely Bad 4 is right in itself as far as which ones we're going to do. Yep. All right, next up from 1985, The Stuff. That cover art is interesting. (laughs) (laughs) A delicious, mysterious goo that oozes from the earth is marketed as the newest dessert sensation. But the tasty treat rots more than teeth when zombie-like snackers who only want to consume more of the strange substance at any cost, begin infesting the world. Wow. Well said. (laughs) That is right on point for that movie. One I didn't know what to expect. Same. And I don't even know that I heard about it back in the day when I was a kid. Yeah, it's not one I remember. All three of these are new to us. We've not watched them. Correct. But I've heard of the other two. The stuff I don't think I've really heard of until recent years. Yep. The last movie that we watched... From 1987, The Gate. Kids left home alone, accidentally unleash a horde of malevolent demons from a mysterious hole in their suburban backyard. That is like the least detailing description (laughs) I've seen. (laughs) But it's not wrong. It's not wrong. Okay, so our categories for this year should mirror last year. I don't know about the first year. I can't remember. But we have best setting Best fashion, best hair, most annoying, worst acting, most disgusting scene, best kill, best hero, best villain, best ending. We're going to rate them from our favorite to least favorite. We want to know which ones we want more of. We want to get an awesome moment from each movie and then a bad moment from each movie. Well done. Thank you. Okay, so first category, best setting. Best setting. I believe my runner-up here is The Rich 80s Neighborhood and The Gate. Very good call. My runner-up was The Stuff. Specifically in The Stuff for me, there's the kids' bedroom in the beginning and then just the town they're in in general. All right. My winner for best setting is the grocery store in The Stuff. That is awesome. My winner is The Gate. That 80s house and neighborhood in general was incredible. It was so good. And it's funny because as soon as we saw them riding their bikes through that neighborhood, we were like, holy rich neighborhood. Yes. These were some big, nice 80s houses. As soon as you saw that neighborhood, it was like, wow. Yes. Now, it's not going to be like a nice 80s neighborhood in Beverly Hills. Correct. But it would be like where we grew up. If we went through that neighborhood, we're like, whoa. Yep. They're just big. They were big. They had a little bit of land each. Mm -hmm. Interesting designs. You knew when you saw that. Expensive. Yes. So in the stuff, I specifically said the grocery store, even though it's maybe a five minute segment. But immediately we were like, whoa, we paused because just the checkout line. Packed with goodness. Yes. Like we were looking at what they were buying. The magazines on the shelf, like it really looked like 
It looked like they just rolled into a grocery store in the 80s and all the people in the background didn't feel like they were extras working. It felt like they were legit buying their groceries. And maybe back then you didn't have to get permission to put somebody's face in a film. I don't know. I would agree. Like, I feel like they did pick a grocery store or maybe they told the town that they were going to be filming or maybe they didn't tell anybody because it didn't look like people got all done up. Like it looked like an absolute legit grocery store yes, and absolute legit people. It really did. It was wonderful. And it really like, yeah, a lot of these, obviously so many movies we watch make us feel nostalgic for things. But like these movies in particular, that segment and then in the gate, we talked about it too. I think brought me back in a way that I haven't felt brought back since we've been doing this. Totally agree. That it kind of helped me remember what it felt like in my body to just exist. Yes. The gate was particularly good about that too. It felt like your average Saturday for me, right? Like where it's a fall day, it's probably 55 degrees out. It felt cold, even though maybe it wasn't cold there, but I felt like this was a day I had experienced. They were wearing jackets. They were wearing jackets. (laughs) So my runner up in the stuff, Jason's bedroom, all kitted out in Star Wars gear, right? Like he had the sheets, the whole bed set. I think he had curtains. He did. And then in their shower, he had Return of the Jedi curtains. You noticed that. I didn't even see it at first. Well done. Thank you, JCPenney's catalog. Yes. (laughs) Were those sheets that you had or did you have a different version? I had a different set of sheets. Mine were from A New Hope. Okay. So different color, but uh, similar layout. (laughs) All right. Next category is best fashion. I don't have a runner up for this category. I just have a winner. Okay. I found finding fashion in these movies was a little difficult. Yes. I will give my runner-up to Terry in the gate. He's Glenn's friend. Glenn is a young Stephen Dorff. Yes. Terry, he's kind of dorky, right? Yes. But he dresses cool. Yeah, he was a bit of a metalhead. Yeah, he was wearing like denim vest with studs all over it. And I don't know, it it seemed like quite the uh, juxtaposition. Yeah. You know, I don't know. I kind of liked it. So my winner is actually from The Gate as well. It's probably my winner too, I'm guessing. I had young Glenn slash Stephen Dorff. Oh. I really dug his jacket that had all the patches on it. We don't need no stinking patches. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but the patches were like, they had like fighter jets and spaceships. So this was a pretty cool jacket for back in the day. And he had his rolled up jeans too, which I noticed. They yes. definitely had him well put together. Right. And I, I have a runner up to my winner category, or I have a second part of my winner category that may be the same for you. I don't know. Let's see. Well, that sounds to me like you just have a runner up, but I want to say my winner before you say it. Okay, go ahead. I'm really excited that that's not what you said. All right, do it. My winner for best fashion, everybody at Al's party in the gate. That's my runner up, I guess. <laughs> it was eye candy everywhere by way of clothes and hair. Yes. It kind of goes against what I was saying earlier about the ugly clothes in My Best Friend's Exorcism, because these were the cool kids. These were definitely the cool kids who dressed like this on purpose. Yes. So many patterns and colors and big hair. It was just delightful. I agree. Like the jackets, all these flower prints and pastels. The dudes had like paisley shirts on, but high waist pleated pants. (laughs) Yet it was cool. Yet it was cool somehow. I don't really know. (laughs) 
it was great. I loved that. You know, anytime you get the parents going out of town, teenage older sister having a party. Yes. And it was funny how they did that, right? Because just when the parents were leaving, they were pulling out of the driveway and they said, and no parties immediately cut to the door opening and they're like partying. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Like, yeah, sure, mom. Sure. Yeah. yeah, No parties. (laughs) Our next category. Best hair. Best hair. I'm going to give my runner up. This will be the first mention of Basket Case. Okay. The receptionist at the doctor's office. Sharon. Sharon. Dwayne, who's our leading man, meets her. He's there on a mission. That's not great. But she is smitten with him. She is smitten with him, laying it on pretty thick, wants to take him sightseeing. She just her hair is big, but it's silky. Yes. And then I wrote, might be a wig. Could be a wig. And then I discovered later, it's definitely a wig. (laughs) Definitely a wig. I put, was it a wig? We will never know. (laughs) I would put money on it being a wig. I couldn't find any other photos of this actress. Yeah. So I'm not sure. But she was my second runner up. Oh, you've got more than one runner up. Yeah. I put Sharon in her blonde locks, curls on the bottom, lots of volume. Mm-hmm. Great hair. Yes. I don't care if it was a wig. It was a great wig. No, I mean, no shade to wigs. I'm just saying I, I realized pretty quickly. I was like, wait a minute. I think that's a wig. Yeah. The way she was like moving her hair around and yeah, all that. Yeah, she was you moving it. it very carefully. She yes. wasn't like running her fingers through it. She would just kind of grab it and shift it. Yeah. It and like a, a chunk. Different. Yeah. Yeah. When they were outside in particular, when it was really windy mm-hmm. on their date. My first runner up from the stuff. The models on the runway. <laughs> I put perms, perms, perms. Yes. Everybody was permed. Yep, they sure were. I was surprised actually you didn't pick them for fashion because they were rocking their their uh, swimsuits and then their giant furs, which I'm sure back then were not fake fur, but those 80 swimsuits with the high cut. Yes. <laughs> they were so high cut. I started to put it down, but everybody had on the same bathing suit. So I was like, I can't pick this because there's no variety. They were not the same bathing suits. Pretty much the same bathing suit, <laughs> no. different color. But they did all have great hair. They did. I guess I kind of have a second runner up too. Okay. My second runner up is Dwayne ah, from Basket Case. Yeah. Not the whole time, only part of the time because sometimes it didn't look great. But when they were on that date, when they were sightseeing, he just had these big bouncy curls. Yeah. And they were great. And they didn't look like they had any product in them. So they would be like soft to the touch, but they, he just had good hair. Okay. And my winner for best hair is Al, particularly Al's crimped hair in a side pony at her party in the gate. Amazing hairdo for Al. It was great. And I wanted to, first I wrote down, Pete, notice Al's very straight hair because now I'm going to always notice when a girl in the 80s has straight hair because you made that blanket statement that one time that every girl had big permed hair in the 80s. It's not what I meant. (laughs) I said nobody really had luxurious straight hair that didn't have some frizz to it. Her hair was not frizzy. It was an incorrect statement. (laughs) All right. I rescind it because I was thinking of somebody in my seventh grade school that had straight hair and it wasn't frizzy. Yeah, that's okay. All right. Sometimes you lose. (laughs) Sometimes you win. At least you accept it. (laughs) But then, you know, I was just thinking like, oh, well, I won't be picking her for best hair because it's just like straight and nothing special going on. Then the party happened. Then the party happened. When she opened that door, I was like, who is that? (laughs) She even crimped her bangs. Yeah, she did. Great. Was great. So my winner. Yes. From the gate, 
I will be honest. I don't know if it's Lori or if it's Linda I because I can't you. tell the difference between the two of I them. I can tell you who it is because I just learned that Lori was played by Kelly Rowan, who was on the OC. She was Kristen Cohen. Oh. Seth's mom. Wow. I totally didn't recognize her at all until someone pointed it out when I shared a picture of her last night. Okay, so Lori has the biggest frizzed out top of her hair that I've ever seen. Well, it's like straight and also straight up. I loved it. It almost looked like she had a flat iron. Yeah. But I don't think we had flat irons back then. So maybe she used a real iron. Could have used a real iron. To just make it stick straight. But it stood up. I mean, I guess people, I don't know what people did to to do mohawks back then. But it's almost like a mohawk, but just with her bangs. But not. it was like going the other direction. It was still kind of like, quote unquote, styled. Yes. You have to go check it out. I shared a picture in my stories last night, but that'll be gone by the time this comes out. Well, go check out Lori from the gate if you want to see her hair, because it was awesome. Good job, hair design. (laughs) It was great. It it definitely (laughs) was a conversation piece. It was. As soon as it came on the screen, we're like, whoa. (laughs) I was like, hold on. I need a picture of that. (laughs) Okay. Our next category, most annoying. Okay. My runner up, although she had the most awesome hair, (laughs) Lori from the gate was the most annoying for multiple reasons. If you go watch the movie, you'll see why. But she was very antagonistic with Glenn and, you know, just outside of that, a little annoying. Yes. Like, I think there's a line in the older siblings, friends, giving the younger sibling a hard time. The banter. Yeah. But like, it was a bit much. It was like they really hated each other. Yes. My runner up, Lori in the gate. Boom. I put with the bangs that were standing straight up. (laughs) (laughs) I said the chick with the super high hair. (laughs) (laughs) Because we didn't know her name at the time. We didn't. Just knew she was one of the sisters. Particularly when she rolled her eyes when they told her that their dog, Angus, had died. Yeah, that was such a bother to her. I wanted to slap her. Like, you heartless (laughs) Okay, and my winner from Basket Case, the hotel manager. Ooh, he was annoying. Wasn't he? Yes. Super annoying. The moment he came on screen... I had enough of him. And then he kept appearing on screen and I couldn't stand him. Yeah, he was a lot. Yes. I mean, just his attitude overall. He was uh, pretty mean to poor Dwayne in the beginning at the very least. And I don't know, just his overall vibe. It's hard to quantify what or why. He just annoyed me. I feel like he was meant to be like this tough New Yorker, no BS kind of guy. He came across kind of sleazy, though. Yeah, it was even though he wasn't, it was more than just that guy, because like I met that guy in New York City at the bagel shop. You know what I mean? Like, But this guy was like a different breed. I don't know. In defense of the actual character, he wasn't a bad guy. Like he he was stand up guy. He wasn't going to steal Dwayne's money. He was worried when bad things happened in his hotel, Mm -hmm. motel, whatever it is. So in reality, he wasn't a bad dude. He just felt annoying. Yeah. Speaking of someone that was not a bad dude. That was annoying to me in the beginning. I wrote him down and my answer changed. Initially, I didn't even know his name, but it's Mo. When he first came onto the scene in the stuff, Yeah, he walked onto this yacht that was full of these just rich older dudes. And he, every hand that he was shaking, he was telling them that they had sweaty palms. Right. That was annoying to me. And he also kept saying like, his real name was David, but everybody called him Mo. Why? Because every time they give me something... I always want Mo. (laughs) And I was like, okay, because he said it to multiple people. He did. I told you when we were watching, he had the jokes of like a 80 year old man from the 50s. Right. 
And he looks like he's in his 40s. He's probably like 27 based on <laughs> 80s math. Yes. But <laughs> he also almost looked like a young John Lithgow a little bit. He did. But anyway, I scratched him off because I ended up liking him. My most annoying winner, the whole cast of Basket Case. <laughs> oh, wow. Good job. <laughs> like <laughs> everybody. There wasn't one person. Maybe Dwayne and Bilal's aunt. Wasn't annoying. Yeah, she wasn't annoying. But everyone else. They were like a a caricature. Yes. Of a person. And we'll talk more about that in our next category. Yes. But yeah, I mean, it was just all very over the top. There were a lot of scenes where like every person that was staying at the motel was in the hallway because like all this loud, scary stuff was happening. And it was just chaos. And everybody was annoying me. I'm just like, go to bed. (laughs) (laughs) I've had enough of you all. (laughs) Okay, so next category, worst acting. I do not have a runner up here. I only have a winner. Oh, all right. Well, I mean, technically me too. Technically, I have a winner too. All right. Only well, a winner. should I go first then? Sure. I put the entire cast of Basket Case. <laughs> <laughs> Guess what? My winner, the whole cast of Basket Case. <laughs> They were awful. It was so bad. Absolutely terrible from an acting perspective. Oh, it was just so, it felt like a stage play, but like one that would have been put on at my church in 1985 or something. That is fantastic. That is a fantastic way to put it. (laughs) Although I think our stage plays might have been better. Yeah. I think so. I do have to say that Dwayne, played by Kevin Van Hentenrick, I think is how you say it. Mm -hmm. When he was, I mean, he was young in that movie and he reminded me of a young Tim Curry. Very good shout. Right? Yeah. Like I was watching him for a while. I was like, who does he remind me of? And then it hit me. I feel like it's his eyebrows and his eyes. Yes. Although he looks, he still has that same hair now. It's just gray. Does he? Yeah. Well, it looks like he went through a phase of cutting it, but the picture that's pulling up right here, he has like a helmet going on. (laughs) (laughs) 70 years old. Good on you, Kevin. Keeping those locks flowing. Yes. And here's the thing. Some of the characters were a little endearing to me. Like I liked Sharon. I loved Casey. Yeah. But it was, I wanted to give Casey some props. And she was, what would we say? Like she was a sex worker. Yes, I think. And but when she was walking around the bar that was like, I feel like underneath the motel or near the motel. Yeah, near it. She was walking around kind of like she had madam vibes a little bit, but I I couldn't really tell. But her acting, like I did love her, her energy, but the acting was bit of a letdown. Yeah. But that was across the board. So we could just say the directing was bad. Maybe. It was. Yes. <laughs> the good casting actors. director. <laughs> <laughs> good actors, poor directing. <laughs> oh, I always feel bad doing that, even though this movie was made 41 years ago. Yeah. They've all moved on. It's almost as old as we are. Wow. <laughs> But I noted when we were watching that actually the acting, especially in the gate, was really good. Yeah, it was solid acting. And the stuff. Yeah, same thing with the stuff. Yeah. So I was impressed. I was like, wow, I don't really. That's why that's why it was just the whole cast of Basket Case, because that was that was its own thing. It was noticeably (laughs) poor. All right. Next category. Best kill. All right. I'm going to go with for my runner up Basket Case. We called him Dr. Needle. (laughs) 
<laughs> even though it's actually Dr. Needleman, because when they first said it, that's what it sounded like. This is the first time we actually get to see Delisle, who's the person in the basket, and he absolutely shreds Dr. Needleman and is screaming the whole time he's doing it, which is very unnerving. The scream. The Belial scream. Should we play a clip of the screaming now? Yes. Or I don't know. I don't want to like put people through it. Well, we'll put a clip here. Uh, feel free to fast forward if you don't want to hear it or if you don't want to be spoiled on what Belial sounds like. Something else. Yes. <laughs> I did not see that coming. <laughs> no, definitely did not see that coming. I will say we watched the trailer first before we watched the movie. Yeah. And they do a good job of not spoiling what's in the basket. They do. What's in the basket? I had no, I had no idea what was coming out of that thing. <laughs> so, I mean, we were invested. We were. I remember that was the first one we watched and we watched it like midweek, late at night. Yeah. And that's the good thing about these kind of scary movies is I'll watch them anytime. It's never too late to watch them. Right. Because they're not scary. But I couldn't wait to see what was in that basket. Same here. I actually wrote my runner up was Dr. Needle Kill. <laughs> yes. First shot of Belial. Instead, I will say any of the stuffies, as they called them, in the stuff, which were people that were addicted to the stuff, because every time they were killed, the stuff oozed out of them. And then it was like they were hollow on the inside. Yeah. They just like fell apart. It was strange. Yeah. And unanticipated. Some of it was decent special effects. <laughs> Some of it wasn't. Yeah. My winner, though, is the stuff. Oh. Particularly the hotel room scene where the stuff is like flying up against the wall. I thought it was fantastic special effects because they turned the room on its side. So it made it look like everything was flowing up into the air mm -hmm. and it was defying gravity. Yes. Uh, so I really appreciated the practical special effects. And I, I liked that scene. And that's where the stuff was like pinning a random guy yeah. against the wall. Yep. And he didn't make it. He got consumed by yeah. the stuff. That's where they learned, too, that you could burn it. Yeah. That was like the only way to get it. Yeah. Get I feel it. like that really would have burned down the hotel. But yeah, <laughs> they didn't think a lot of that stuff through. No. Because there's one point where they're blowing up a building of the stuff <laughs> right in between a McDonald's and a KFC. And those buildings are right on top of each other. And it just explodes. And yeah, like, like big explosions. No concern for the other businesses next to them. Yeah. The kids at the Burger King playground, they would have been in trouble. <laughs> yeah, it was the 80s. But I think even then that was a bit much. <laughs> All right. My winner for best kill is Dwayne and Belial's dad. Oh, good one. In the basement. In the basement. So their dad was a big D. Hey. Yeah. Their mother died during childbirth. And the dad was bitter and he did not consider Belial his son because he was so deformed. And, you know, they were bitter because the dad separated them against their will and just threw Belial out with the trash. Quite literally in a trash bag. Yes. It actually made me feel for Belial. For a little bit. Yes. For a little Same bit. Here. And the dad woke up and heard a sound of a saw in the house and he was looking all around, but like not really concerned. And I'm like, I'm sorry, if I hear a big power tool going in the middle of the night, I don't know, I might pick up a weapon or something like 
Yeah, he just assumed Dwayne was like working on some furniture or something. He's right. like, Dwayne, being too loud. And nobody was answering him, but yeah. he just kept going towards it. And he eventually goes down into the basement. It was a really long trek from him leaving his bedroom down to the basement. Yeah. A little drawn out. Little drawn out. And boy, did they have the oldest table saw that I've ever seen. It was a gigantic saw. Right. But somehow they had it situated where once he walked into the area where the saw was, the saw was like above him. Yeah. And it suddenly flew towards him. He had time to get out of the way. He but did. instead, he just stood there and watched it come towards him and split him in half. Cut him right in two. But he was a DHA. So yeah. in the movie, it was satisfying. Would we say he had it coming? <laughs> he had it wow. Coming. We've been bringing back he that song a lot lately. That's right. <laughs> Next category, most disgusting scene. I think we're going to have a few, few alternative runner-ups on this. Yes, I have quite a few listed for this. Okay. This was the most happening category. It was. If we have any crossovers, we'll just talk about them together. Yes. My first runner-up is just the man at the beginning of the movie who first discovers the stuff. His name is Harry. Harry. Yes, he's on my list as well. Oh, okay. So we can go ahead and discuss. <laughs> yes. The stuff is oozing out of the ground, oozing and it's bubbling Yeah, out of the ground. It, it looks like they're near like chemical plants. They're something. at a coal plant. A coal plant. Yes. I'm sorry, <laughs> but he just reaches down and gets some on his finger and just doesn't even smell it or anything. Just puts it in his mouth. Yeah. Just, just like, <laughs> what are you doing, dude? And then feeds it to his buddy off of his finger. Yes. And he doesn't question it. either. Like, I mean, he looks a little... A little concerned for a second, but his buddy eats it too. Yeah, he's like, this is delicious. And they both go back in for more. Oh, awful. I, I mean, again, we can't keep playing the song, but they had it coming. <laughs> they did. <laughs> <laughs> Another runner up for me, also from the stuff, the random shopkeeper who collapses and you think he's dead. Yes. And the stuff comes out of his mouth. But then he pops back up in another scene and there's stuff on his face and he's like eating it off of his face. It just really grossed me out. So gross. Super gross. Another runner up I had, this was also because it was nostalgic, but in The Gate, there's a demon version of Terry, Glenn's friend. He pops out in a moment that actually scared me. It did. I will say The Gate gave me some jump scares. You screamed at one point. Yes. I think that's when I screamed because Glenn was going to look for something in his closet and Demon Terry just pops out of the bag. <laughs> <laughs> I screamed because I wasn't expecting that at all. But Al then grabs her Barbie that is in the closet, who actually looks like she's either PJ or the Hart family mom. It was hard to tell. She was more brunette, but not dark brunette. It was like that lighter brunette that you saw in PJ or, you know, the mom. So yeah. One of those two, I think. Anyway, she grabs her up and stabs Terry in the eye. Yeah. With the Barbie's foot and legs. And it was great. And I was thinking, I was like, is this Terry in demon form or another Terry? Because I was like, poor Terry's not going to have an eye left. Right. Well, in the end, he was okay. So. Yeah, it was just demon Terry. Yeah, I think they were just making them think they were seeing him. Yes. So, yeah, that's one. Another runner up from Basket Case when Dr. Needleman is eating his lunch, but it's, I mean, it's all over his fingers and he's. You know, he's just gross, man. Yeah. I did not like Dr. Needleman. I agree. And speaking of gross eating, another one on my list is from Basket Case, but it's like early on when Dwayne is feeding whatever's in the basket because we haven't seen it yet. Yes. He's feeding him burgers and then later hot dogs. And first of all, 
Dwayne wipes his greasy hands on the hotel comforter. Yeah. Which grossed me out, too. But all the gross eating noises from Belial within the basket. <laughs> they were disgusting. It was hard to hear. I'll add on to that. The scene where they separate mm. Belial and Dwayne. Yes. The sound effects in particular of that scene with the crunching. And then you get to see like there's all this blood and stuff. It was just really gross. Agree. Well done, Basket Case. <laughs> My other two runner-ups are also from Basket Case. <laughs> There's a moment where Belial steals Casey's underwear. Yes, he does. <laughs> and brings it into his basket with him. This is when we start to see that Belial is a perv. <laughs> yes, he is. <laughs> and then the other one, <laughs> it was Dwayne and Sharon on their date when they were making out. Oh, my goodness. So much tongue. Yeah, like they were absolutely sucking face. Yeah, I just started to feel a little bit like, get a room. I'm not interested in watching this. Yeah, they held the scene for much longer than they needed to. Yeah. I just looked away. I was like, I can't take this anymore. Yeah, and it's not like, you know, we're not used to seeing kissing scenes in movies, but it really just went on an uncomfortable amount of time. Yeah, you have to go watch it and you'll be like, oh, yeah, th this was too much. Yeah, and it's not often that you see tongue in a movie kiss. Occasionally, you yeah. know, we all like a little Top Gun tongue. A little, a little Top Gun tongue. A little Teen Witch tongue, but... <laughs> This was a lot. <laughs> <laughs> My winner, also from Basket Case, this is a really, really uncomfortable scene. I don't know what was going on, but it's the sound effects and the visuals of when Belial kills Sharon. And it's hard to describe without actually seeing it, but it's rough and it's gross. I almost wish there had been a camera on us as we watch that scene. Yeah. Because we watch a lot of horror movies. And nothing I feel has ever been quite as horrifying as that scene. No, it got me, right? Like, I did not see that coming. No. Uh, and they did like a wide shot. And I was just like, what the? Yeah. And I think that maybe they thought it was okay because Belial is not a human. I mean, he is, but he doesn't look like one. Yeah. So, which is also hard to explain unless you've seen it. Also, it was 1982. But right. I think that's why they thought that they could get away with that. But I don't know. It was absolutely disgusting and horrifying. Awful. On every front. Yeah. So <laughs> that was the, yeah, I, uh, I would agree with that being the most disgusting scene, but I'm going to pick a different one anyway. What you got? So in the gate, these demons can make people see something that's not real, right? Like Terry saw his deceased mother and Glenn and Al see their parents walking up to the house and they're like relieved thinking, oh, they're here to save the day. We know right away that's not really them. Right. So the dad immediately starts choking Glenn and Glenn pokes the dad through his eyes with his thumbs, I think, or yeah. fingers. And this weird goop starts seeping out of his face. And then his mom starts laughing and then her head falls <laughs> off of her body and lands on the ground like a gross pumpkin that was just smashed. Oh, it's disgusting. It is so gross. And they let you see like kind of the insides. <laughs> it's awful. I can see it in my head right now. That was gross. Oh, one I forgot to mention. I've got another runner up. Okay. From the stuff, the death of Charlie. Hold on. Let me think about this. Charlie. When his, <gasps> yes. And his like his head like starts to distort and like you can see inside his mouth, but it's like all these different colors. And then he just also deteriorates. And it is gross. And even though 
it is so clearly, especially in the stuff. Yeah. It is so clearly a fake head. It's kind of like how we talked about in uh, Friday the 13th, part three. Yes. Rick, I think was his name. Yeah. Where he, Jason squeezes his head and his eyeballs pop out. It clearly goes from being the real him to a fake head. And you see it so clearly. It's kind of like also in the Terminator. Right. Uh, where right. it's just so obviously <laughs> a fake head. So you see the shift. But even though you know it's fake, it's still disgusting. It was very disgusting. <laughs> Forgot to add that one. I didn't want to forget. That's a good one, too. It's like gross, but also hilarious. Yeah. At the same time, which is why it's awesomely bad. Yes, it is. It had to be fun to make those <laughs> yes. head models and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. All right. Next category. Best hero or heroine? All right. My runner up is actually three people from the gate. I listed Glenn, Terry and Al. Yes. I just put that they don't back down. They were ready to fight those little demons. And then Glenn has to like rally at the end to save the day with his rocket. Rocket nerds for the win. <laughs> That also brought back some memories of building a rocket in school. Which I never got to do. I always wanted to do. I had friends that had rockets and they'd have their little engines or motors in them or whatever. And I was fascinated by it. When I was watching him put him together, it it was a core memory unlocked. CMU! (laughs) Although I can't remember at what age I did that. If anybody remembers, I don't know if anyone's listening that actually went to school with me, but if anybody like did that in school, let me know around what age, because I have no recollection of if this was in elementary school, middle school or high school. Mm, Could have been any of them, right? Because like Uh, physics applies at any point. And I remember going out. I don't know if we went to a park or if we just went outside of the school and like everybody's standing back while the teacher was setting them off. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's all blurry. So reach out. I have two runner ups. My first runner-up is Dwayne and Belial's aunt. Yes. From Basket Case. You know, Dwayne was a good hero. He, at first, I didn't trust him. I mean, listen, it was kind of Dexter-ish in how, like, the kills that he and Belial carried out. I mean, Belial's the one that actually physically killed the doctors that separated them. Right. But Dwayne facilitated it. He did. This basket isn't transporting itself. Yes. But it was a revenge thing, and it was because those people were not good people. Not okay to kill anyone, period. But it didn't seem like he was as bad of a person. And then as soon as he realized that Belial had other plans beyond just hurting the people that hurt them, he tried to put a stop to it. He did. But their aunt was the only one that loved them, the only one that cared about them and kept them safe. So, you know, she was a, a real heroine. And my winner from the stuff, Mo. Rutherford. And boy, did he come out annoying in the beginning, like you said, right? Mm -hmm. But he won me over, right? He's got that slow Southern drawl. He's the classic private eye type who always knows what to do and what's going to happen. Felt very safe with Mo. Yeah, I trusted him. Yeah. Well, Mo was my other runner up. I also wanted to add on Jason, the kid. He's a tough kid. Was a tough kid. And he didn't get pressured by his family to eat the stuff. Yeah, even though his dad was being a big jerk to him, and his whole family was trying to get him to eat it. He tricked him by eating shaving cream. Yes. I mean, he took one for the team there. He did. Not really the team for himself, I guess. But also, I liked the fact that (laughs) he didn't even have any real reason not to trust this stuff, except he saw it kind of moving and having a life of its own in the refrigerator. Yeah, like fell over and was moving and he got weirded out. Yes, but he like stayed strong in his convictions because at the time he didn't have any clue that it was hurting anyone or causing people to act like zombies, basically. Yeah, it was just his instinct and he stuck with it. And in the end, you know, he was seeing a lot of rough stuff and he was just like badass. Like he was like, I've seen stuff like this is not going to 
affect me. Yeah, especially like at the very end of the movie. Yes. We'll talk about that in a minute. Okay. And my winner, you've already mentioned them, but Glenn, Al, and Terry in the gate. Nice. It kind of felt like Goonies-esque. It did. A little bit. Or, you know, Stranger Things-esque, where it was like friends. The sister's friends were there too, but they were pretty much useless. Yeah, they were hiding in a closet. Yeah. But the three of them really stuck together and got the job done. You know, I mean, Glenn was the one who really saved the day in the end. But he did. Like you said, they never gave up. No. And it was impressive. It was. Good job. All right. Next category. Best villain. All right. I'm actually struggling with which one should be the best because they all suck. They do. I'm going to say my runner up is Belial in Basket Case. Is it? No redeeming qualities. No. Other than he had a rough upbringing. He did. (laughs) But I do have to say that once we got to see him, he reminded me of a mini Chet from Weird Science. He did look like a mini Chet. He was like a blob with a face and arms and he burps and like, I don't know. He just had Chet energy. (laughs) I feel it. (laughs) My runner up from the gate, those little demons. Those were creepy little dudes. Very creepy. And it looked like, you know, they did some green screen work where they had real people maybe in these suits and their faces were just unnerving. And yeah, they were good little villains who were, you thought for like a second when Terry fell down in the hole Uh that maybe they were going to be okay. No, it took like three seconds and they started chomping on him. When they started biting him. Well, and this ties in perfectly because my winner for best villain are those little demon guys in the gate. (laughs) I wrote when they were biting Terry, I can see why kids were afraid of this. Oh, yeah. Like I have heard since we started this and I've asked people like things that scared them when they were kids. So many people mentioned those guys. I can totally see it. I'm glad I didn't watch it when I was a kid so that I could just laugh about it now. Yeah. There's one point where, because they're like biting his ankles and calves, but then one comes up and bites him on the neck. Bites him on the neck. Uh, yes. <laughs> um, And then also we finally get to see the big kahuna, <laughs> the big demon. We named him the Pickford demon. That's not going to make sense to anyone. <laughs> Do you want to explain that? Contextually, right? We're Liverpool fans. So that means we are not fans of Everton. Everton has a goalkeeper named Jordan Pickford. And Liverpool fans have a song for him about how little his arms are. And I started this because as soon as we saw him, like the the big demon has little arms. Kind of T-Rex-ish. Well, he's got four arms. Two of his arms are normal sized. Mm -hmm. And then he's got two little arms. Yes. And so I started singing the song. He's only got little arms. He's only got little arms. Yeah. So that's the Pickford part of it. Sorry. Yeah, sorry. (laughs) It's very specific. (laughs) But I also, I had some jokes last night. So not only did I have that, but my other statement about this big demon was four eyes, four arms, can't lose. (laughs) She was on one last night. (laughs) Oh, in the moment, I cracked myself up. (laughs) My winner, you've already covered him. It's Belial from Basket Case. As we mentioned for a second there, we thought he was going to be a sympathetic villain. He was not. There's some questions about his motivation in the end that we're going to talk about later. But uh, yeah, Belial was a bad, bad guy. Yes, yes, he was. And that scream, I tell you what. All right, our final category, best ending. So runner up for me is Basket Case. 
where Belial tosses Dwayne out the window when they're fighting. It's the question at the end that we were discussing because Belial jumps on Dwayne and they both go flying out the window. Belial looks like he's hanging on to the top of the sign and then his other arm is hanging on to Dwayne's neck. I had the question, is he trying to save Dwayne at that point? Because he could have just let him go and he would have died because they're seven stories up? Or is he trying to hold on to him because he's regretting that his brother is about to die? Because it looks like he's struggling to try to save him. I mean, it kind of does, but he's also got him by the neck. So how is he going to save him? I don't know. You're choking him out, bro. Well, listen, that's where he had his grip. (laughs) It's very confusing. It is. Somebody should tell us what is going on there. It was an interesting ending. I kind of thought that Belial was going to finally realize that he was not a good person and he's going to toss himself out the window or just leave. I kind of thought either option. I didn't think that he was going to send Dwayne flying. (laughs) (laughs) My runner up, just because it's kind of cheeky. So Mo and Jason visit one of the investors homes that he had visited early on, this rich dude. And this other guy shows up that had also invested. It's kind of I kind of listen. There were a lot of businessmen talking at some point, and I zoned out for that stuff. Yeah, it was a bunch of blah, 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 it blah, blah. It was very boring, and I did not care about any of that stuff. But so two of these older dudes were there, and basically they knew that the stuff was bad, and they sold it anyway. Yeah. And now they had come up with a new thing called the taste. The taste, which has a little bit of the stuff in it. But the rest is, you know, dairy and probiotics and stuff. It's, it's like, like ice cream or yogurt or something, yeah. you know, but it's like a safer version, but it's still enough to like get people addicted to it. Right. And Mo had other plans and he called for Jason, the kid who showed up, who, you know, doesn't have his family anymore. So right. he's hanging out with Mo and he's got a big box of the stuff. And they basically hold the guys at gunpoint until they eat all of the stuff that they brought. Yep. So they're addicted to it now and they've got the stuff inside them. So that's it for these dudes. And they called the cops because you suddenly hear sirens. So it's like, oh, they're addicted and now they're going to go to jail where they can't get the stuff. That's right. So it's like torture. (laughs) Good job, Mo. (laughs) Just desserts. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, my winner for best ending, The Gate. Now, I will admit they tricked me on this one. I thought that after the boys... And Al closed the gate that it's over, but it was not. No. So Glenn had to be brave and he absolutely destroyed the demon with his rocket ingenuity. Well done, Glenn. Saved the day. We got a big fireworks show. We did get a big fireworks show. (laughs) And he basically saved humanity. He did. Because we see all of a sudden the sky that formerly had like this smoke cloud of demons going up into it suddenly clears up and the sun comes out. That's right. It's a new day. Now their house, completely trashed. It is trashed. But the good news is that we find out that Angus is alive again. Their dog. Yes, Angus came back. We were so happy. Yes. And Al and Terry come back all in one piece. And there's music playing as if it's like the end of the Lamb Before Time or something. (laughs) It did. (laughs) (laughs) It felt, you know, cartoonish a little bit. It did, yeah. It made me smile. Honestly, my only complaint about the ending of that movie is I just wanted to see the aftermath of the parents coming home and finding the house that way. Yeah, kind of like the opposite of weird science where stuff was not fixed. Right. Or Home Alone, because I said to you, now all we need is for the parents to show up, the kids aren't around and to just hear Glenn. (laughs) And then (laughs) then you see Glenn go (gasps) and it fades to black. (laughs) Oh, great. (laughs) 
But otherwise, great ending. Absolutely. It did go on a little longer than we thought, because I know at one point we paused to do a restroom break and we were like, what? There's still 30 minutes left. Yeah. When I thought it was over, there was a half an hour left. I was like, oh, yeah, that big demon. We forgot about him. Yeah. Because you saw his hands under the bed earlier. Right. And he grabbed Al and we're like, oh, we're going to have to deal with this guy. Yes, because that's what I had said to you. It feels like with all these little demons running around, there's got to be a big guy. And then you're like, there is. Remember? I'm like, oh, yeah. Don't forget about him. <laughs> Don't sleep on the Pickford demon. <laughs> <laughs> He's only got little arms. <laughs> all right. So overall, I feel like we're going to be on the same page here, but you rate these from favorite to least favorite. Okay. Are oh, we going to start with our least favorite? Yes. Though. So least favorite is basket case. Okay. My middle choice is the stuff. And my winner for most favorite is obviously the gate. All right. I'm actually going to change it up a little. I'm going to say my least favorite is the stuff only because it had so many boring parts. It did drag on at times. The only reason that I'm giving basket case slightly higher praise here is because it did entertain me the whole time. It was unexpected. From start to finish. Not in a good way. No. Right? But it kept me on my toes. I was engaged the whole time. I never wanted to look at my phone once. Uh, It definitely was something. And my number one is the same. It's the gate. Well done to the gate. I know. I can't believe, honestly, that it has taken us this long to watch that movie. Same here. But I'm just glad that we know about it now. I wonder what this would have done to me back in the day. Like you were saying earlier, I feel like this would have scared the heck out of me. Yes, for sure. Yeah. And we're going to talk a little bit more about something that I didn't like about that movie, but we'll wait just a second. All right. It's definitely my favorite of the three. So which of these movies would you want more of? Well, you told me that there are more in the Basket Case franchise, and I can't deny that I'm a little curious. There's supposedly a Basket Case trilogy, (laughs) and from what I've read, they are a different tone, but people love them. At least the second one. I'm not sure about the third, but I'm here to watch this Basket Case trilogy. Me too. So that's my answer. We know. I mean, I don't know. We don't know. I started to say we know that they're dead and they can't come back, but you never say never when it comes to a horror movie. You never say never. (laughs) And when you look at the cast, never say never. Okay. Okay. I actually put, I would take more from all three. I want to see what happens next with the stuff. And there's got to be some kind of ramification from the gate. I wonder if there's more in the gate series. I don't know. I haven't gone and looked. Yeah. But I'm here for all three. I want some sequels. Agree. I just looked it up. There is The Gate 2. Oh. Trespassers. So there is a second one in that series. New cast. New cast. Probably not going to be as good, but yeah, maybe we'll check it out. I do have to say that it confused me a little bit because The Gate came out in 1987. You said Stephen Dorff would have been 12 there. Yeah. He looks like he's like eight or nine to me. He did look very young. Now, I don't know for sure when they filmed it. I always assume it's the year before. Yeah. So maybe he was 11. Could have been. And, you know, I know that happens. But what is really strange to think about is, well, let me look to see when that video came out. Oh, even earlier than I thought. What's weird to me is that in 1993, Stephen Dorff was in Aerosmith's music video for Crazy, not Crazy, Crying, where he's like making out with Alicia Silverstone. In 93, how many years later is that? Six. Six years. He looks like he's like 28 or 30 in that video to me. He's a full-grown man at that point. Yes. How did he change that much in that short period, short period of time? I do not know. Am I wrong? Like, I need to see what he looks like in that video. And yeah, they filmed it the year before. They filmed in March 
of uh, 86. So, I mean, he just he just looks so much older than that. He does. Listen, puberty hits us all differently. And he might have just hit it a little bit late. And I know, too, that it's like we always say when people look at photos of people back then that they look way older than like kids today look. Yeah. At that age. But I don't know. I mean. He did look like he was like eight years old. <laughs> it was weird. He did. It just seems like a big jump. I mean, maybe he didn't look 30, but I don't know. Maybe if I look at it again, he would look younger than that. But anyway, that was just an observation. Neither here nor there. So now are we going to talk about just the few things that we found from each movie that were awesome and that were bad? Absolutely. All right. What you got for Basket Case? Basket Case. I put the Dwayne and Belial separation scene. I felt so bad for poor Belial at that point, but also from a special effects standpoint, it was pretty gross, but noticeable. Well done for 1982. Oh, you said that for awesome? Yeah. Okay. My awesome, which I guess really could be seen as bad as well, <laughs> but the stop motion that we saw. Oh, yes. Of Belial having a temper tantrum in particular. When the TV wasn't working? Yes. Yes. I have that written down as an awesome moment. It was hysterical. It was. I wrote, is this Rankin and Bass? <laughs> and then I put, you know, Dasher and Dancer, <laughs> Prancer and Vixen. Belial and Dwayne and... Casey and Sharon. (laughs) (laughs) Belial goes crazy, though. Like, he's screaming. We get that scream here the whole time. He throws the television. He throws the drawers all out. He throws the chair. And then he was wrecking the bed. Like, he was an angry Belial. Yes, he was. Okay, so bad moments from Basket Case. I put the opening kill on... We named him Dr. Lipliner. And the at that point, like the funny looking hand, Stacy laughed out loud <laughs> at how silly it looked. So, yeah, it just kind of came out the gate a little silly. Yes. Uh, my first one for bad is the hand that grabbed Dr. Lipliner's face <laughs> at the beginning. <laughs> His name was not Lipliner, but it sounded like Lipliner at first. So yeah. that we just went with that. It's Lifflander. Lifflander, whatever. I like Lipliner better. Yes. Lipliner is way better. And then another moment from Basket Case, the Dr. Cutter kill scene with all of the scalpels in her face and her screaming was just ridiculous. Yep. That's also on my list. <laughs> nice. And the third one for me, I put any of the Belial stop motion scenes <laughs> were terrible. Super cheese. I thought you had that for awesome. No, I had the moment in the hotel room oh, okay. of Belial, you yeah. know, going off in there. Yes. But I didn't mention the stop motion for right. me in right, the right. awesome bit. It was a cheesy bit. Oh, it's so cheesy. That's why I said it could be seen as bad, too. Yes. But I just loved it. Yeah. <laughs> You're there for it. I was. So the rest of my bad for Basket Case, uh, the acting. Yes. The separation surgery in the dining room, (laughs) most notably the sound effects. Not saying it wasn't well done, but I just didn't like it. So it was bad. Belial's glowing eyes. Yeah. Where did that come from? Make it make sense. Is he a demon? I guess there is a demon named Belial. Is he a demon? But they've not insinuated that. They've just, they've really insinuated that he's a human, just he's deformed. Right. Suddenly he has glowing eyes. Doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Maybe some more of that will come to light in Basket Case 2. Maybe. And then, of course, the scene that you were describing earlier with Sharon's death, that was just extremely... It was. Inappropriate. Extremely bad. Hard to watch. And I wrote, so wrong. (laughs) That was definitely the bad part of it. All right. Next up, awesome moments from the stuff. 
These are a couple moments, but I'll lump them into one. I put the stuff commercials Mm -hmm. that they do inside of the movie, the music, the choreography, all of the outfits, absolute utter 80s perfection. Yes. By the end, we were getting jingles. Yeah. They would say, and believe me, enough is never enough. (laughs) Those models and everything with the commercials was giving me the great Muppet caper. Yes. All the models in that movie. It was reminding me of that a little bit. Absolutely agree. So my awesome, I have a few. First of all, Paul Sorvino didn't show up until later in the movie. (laughs) But I wrote initially, what a delight, because his acting is really good. It was very noticeable. Yes, just a natural. And not that the acting was bad in the movie, but he just stood out as just knowing what he was doing. Right. He's seasoned, you know. And then I realized his character was a racist. Yes. (laughs) So I took back that being awesome. I did like how they called them stuffies. (laughs) I miss saying pocketbook instead of purse. (laughs) Yeah, it's a word that just has left the vernacular. It has. Nicole was complaining because Mo didn't save her pocketbook. Yeah. And I was like, wow, remember when we used to say pocketbook? Like when I was a little kid and my mom would let me use her old pocketbooks to play and I would pretend like I was a, you know, grown lady going shopping. <laughs> I love I felt so mature saying that I had my pocketbook. That is adorable. <laughs> we had a cameo from the Where's the Beef lady. We did. Saying, "Where's the stuff?" <laughs> Doesn't get more 80s than that. No, uh, that was iconic. I loved it. And finally, my favorite, favorite thing that I didn't realize is that this movie stars the Bloom Brothers. I had the biggest crush on Brian Bloom in the 80s. Was he the older brother? Yes, he was the older brother. Scott plays Jason, the younger brother, who's the hero of the movie. And Brian doesn't even have a name, but he's a D-hay. Yeah. He's dorkier in this. When he gets a little older, I think is when I started getting a crush on him. But he used to be on the covers of my sisters, like Tiger Beats and Bop and all of those. And I just both of them have the most beautiful crystal blue eyes. If you say so. They do. Although in this one, Brian kind of reminded me of a slightly more handsome Greg Brady. He did look like <laughs> Greg Brady. <laughs> Barry Williams, right? That's yeah. his name. But I was excited to see them. Doesn't get much more 80s to me than the Bloom Brothers. But also when Jason is destroying all of the stuff at the grocery store. Oh, man, he was having none of it. He went on a complete terror, just tearing everything down and nobody could catch him for the longest time. He was unstoppable with his broom. He was. (laughs) He was. But he was really trying to save the day and they all took it like he was just like acting out. Yeah. Just being like a kid throwing a temper tantrum. Little did they know. Yep. A lot of brave kids in these movies. Well, at least two of the movies. Yes. Okay. So bad moments from the stuff. It's kind of the same thing. I only had one here, but the Colonel Paul Servino being super racist to Charlie. That was not a good time. And then there's a very cheesy moment when the stuff is in the radio studio. It just looked really, really cheesy. And then all of the green screen stuff that they do in this movie is wildly noticeable. There's no shadows on anything. It just looks ridiculous. (laughs) That part is really bad. For me, the stuff I wrote down, there's one scene where Jason's dad spanks him. And I'm not really commenting on whether you should do that or not. I am just saying it's not something that you see nowadays. Right. So it was a little jarring to see. It was. The businessmen on the yacht I've already discussed, but I just wrote boring. Very boring. There is a moment where this giant dog is attacking its owner. (laughs) 
and the stuff is coming out of the dog's mouth and it is bad. It, it is. is so bad. It's good. <laughs> and it's another one where they cut between the actual dog yes. and then the prop dog. And it is ridiculous. Yeah. There's no blending. No. <laughs> And then there's a moment, too, where Charlie punches this guy in the face and his whole face just comes off. And what's inside does not look like what would actually be there. We thought he was a robot at first. He did look like a robot. And I noticed that, like, something kind of lit up a little bit when he punched him. And you went back and we paused and you're like, I think it was the pyrotechnics and the face coming off. But it just made it look like he was a robot. So it was very confusing. It was. Okay. Awesome moments for the gate. Do you want to go first? Sure. So my awesome moments for the gate, I wrote the geodes. Yes. Because they were beautiful. They were beautiful. The party was a great time. Just seeing all the 80s teens together and Glenn and Terry in the kitchen eating pizza, like spying on them. Yeah. And then when they did the whole like levitation thing, they were trying to do kind of light as a feather, stiff as a board, but not really. It was just a fun time until it wasn't fun. Yes. <laughs> and then just a nostalgic thing for me in Terry's house, there was a green refrigerator like I had and strawberry magnets on the fridge, which really took me back because in my kitchen growing up, it was strawberries everywhere. We had red linoleum floor, all this strawberry decor, white and red curtains, and a green refrigerator with strawberry magnets on it. Anytime you see a green fridge, you call it out. Yeah. You love it. I do. It just brings me back. And my parents got rid of it in the 90s. Uh, So it just, I'm nostalgic for it. I can't help it. I think ours was beige. I can't remember. Mm, Boring. I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) You're that mom. (laughs) Okay. My moments from the gate. When they closed the gate. Yeah. It was super tense. It was fun, though. It was a wild ride. And like I mentioned previously, I thought that was the end. And it was not. And I'm happy that it wasn't because the rest of the movie was fun as well. But I really liked that moment. And then another awesome moment at the very actual end of the movie, Angus the dog is alive. We were both very, very excited because I do not like to see animals harmed in any way, in any movie. And when they killed the dog, we were very upset. Very upset. Because also they make you love him straight away. And it like looked like a dog that I had when I was a child. Yeah. And then they're like carrying the dog around after he's dead. They're trying to find a place to put him. They're not treating this dog well. I did not like it. And they kept showing scenes of the dead dog. And I was like, I don't need to see this anymore. I don't like it. So I was very excited when Angus was okay. Yes. So that goes right along with my bad list because I wrote the dog with a cry face. Yes. And at one point, like they were showing the dog so much. I know it was the 80s, but it was a lot to the point where I eventually said to you, that dog has to be coming back to life or they would not keep reminding us that he's dead. It's a good call out. And sure enough, they did. And it's like, oh, it's all okay now because he's alive and well. But I'm like, I know it's fake, but nobody wants to see this precious dog dead. Yeah. And that's what I wrote down as well. At the end, I put enough already. Like I've seen it enough. Like we get it. Then I wrote the melting phone. Oh, yes. Good catch. So there's a moment where Al is on the phone and all of a sudden, like you just hear like demon voice through the phone. She pulls it back and it catches on fire. She throws it down and then the phone The part on the wall just starts melting in on itself. Yeah, it was cheesy. It was cheesy, but it was fun to see. But uh, yeah, I mean, it definitely belongs in the bad category. Yeah. But definitely memorable. And then the last thing I wrote was Terry falling into the hole because it (laughs) just was (laughs) it just looked ridiculous. It did. I don't even know what they were doing with that shot. Yeah, I don't know how they filmed it. Maybe they like 
put him through like a slide. It looked like he was going down a slide. But the way he was like kicking his legs. Yeah. I think he was trying to look like he was trying to stop himself, but it just didn't. It looked ridiculous. It did. <laughs> I'll add one more onto the gate for bad. At the very end, when Glenn blows up the demon and then comes flying out of the house. <laughs> it was so ridiculous. <laughs> We both started laughing when we saw it. It was hilarious. Well, he was flipping through the air. Yeah, like end over end. End over end. Like he was on a, you know, tied to a rope around his waist that he could just flip on. (laughs) And it was really obvious green screen effect. Very noticeable. We laughed. It was great. Awesomely bad. Yes. One would say. Well, we did it. We did. Part three of our awesomely bad movies. Horror movies. I had so much fun. It is always really fun watching these cheesy movies. So yeah, if you have any ideas for us for next year, send them in. We already kind of have a little mini list, but sometimes we forget by the time it actually rolls around. We do. If you get a chance, go check these movies out. They are very, very interesting to watch. It's a good time. It is. Well, except for the end of Basket Case. (laughs) Yeah, it's rough, as we stated. Leave that part out. Yeah. (laughs) But otherwise, good times and happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. Bye. Bye bye. (laughs) I feel like we should delete that. I don't want to. I know. I'm like, (laughs) cut that, cut that. I still believe. (laughs) Actress, liar, go the f on. I think Dwayne probably smelled bad, though. (laughs) You can't say that. (laughs) He had it coming. Oh, we're getting too interested. Otherwise, we're going to get Listeria. (laughs) Listeria, I like it. (laughs) Listeria Lane. I don't know what that is, but... It's not good. (laughs) Wisteria is where there's Desperate Housewives, right? Yes, it is. Wisteria Lane. But I said it with an L. I know. (laughs) 